This is Livewell Talk on Blood Pressure. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at United Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. In addition to being National Asparagus Month, May is also National Blood Pressure Month. So we invited Dr. Keith Kopeck, cardiologist with United Point Health St. Luke's Hospital and Heart and Vascular Institute to visit about the importance of blood pressure monitoring. Welcome, Dr. Kopeck. Good afternoon. You know, I, I think I'll never forget. I saw this video one time of this internist. She'd taken care of this patient for like 10 years and she always used the term hypertension. And then she asked him what he thought that meant. And he thought it meant that he was hyperactive. Uh, so he'd taken this medicine diligently, but never, uh, never uh, explained uh, why or, or what it meant. So I, I think a lot of people d may not understand or we assume they understand that uh, the importance of monitoring their blood pressure. Uh, can you give some perspective on why it's so important? Yes, there, there are a number of issues that cardiologists in particularly are, are concerned about. Historically, hypertension has been called the silent killer because the vast majority who have hypertension or high blood pressure cannot tell that their blood pressure is high. We'll see the occasional person who will have a headache or feel their heart pound. But by and large, most people cannot feel when the blood pressure is high. And untreated hypertension over a period of years increases your risk of heart attack, stroke, congestive heart failure, and, and nothing good comes out of that. What is your perspective on... First of all, what, what's a normal blood pressure for a, your 70 kilogram, 140 pound uh, male? Well, the ideal blood pressure is 120 over 80. And there's been some debate on what defines high blood pressure. The guidelines have changed a number of times over the last decade. The American Heart Association and the American College of Cardiology have a lower recommended blood pressure then the National Institute of Health, and some of the European cardiovascular societies. But generally, 120 over 80 is considered normal. Uh, anything above 140 for your systolic or top number or above 90 for your bottom or diastolic number uh, is definitely meets the criteria for high blood pressure by all societies. What is your what is your perspective or your kind of opinion of home monitoring and blood pressure? Is it of value? Uh, is can it be misleading? Uh, how do, how do you counsel patients on monitoring their blood pressure at home? For for the vast majority, home blood pressure readings mean more to me than office reading. Uh, white coat hypertension is a true condition. Uh, many people we see they're high when they first come in. We'll recheck it before they leave, and and it's down. But people are visiting me for 20 minutes a few times a year. Most of their life is at home, and I want to see what their readings are in in that environment. Uh, for many people, we will have them bring their home monitor in to make sure it's accurate and correlates with uh, our equipment in the office. And I think that's really important. So is uh, just the uh, moderately priced device fine for being at home? I mean, they shouldn't spend a lot of money, just get a device that, in your experience, is capable of doing that. I mean, I, uh, I hate to see people uh, purchase stuff they don't need. Yeah, yes, largely true. The, the technology and the reliability of most of the products out now uh, is, is so much superior 
than just several years ago. Uh, my big hang up with the home monitors is to make sure you have the appropriate cuff size. And if the cuff is too small, you're going to get a falsely high reading. So uh, that tends to be a bigger focus of what I emphasize when I tell someone to get a home monitor. Do, do you recommend that they check the blood pressure in both arms or just one arm or the same arm every day? I usually don't have, have much of an opinion one way or another. Your blood pressure should be the same or within 10 points in, in either arm. Uh, there are a number of conditions, vascular conditions, where the, the blood pressure will vary widely. And uh, if there is a discrepancy, there's, we, that's something we need to look into. As far as what blood pressure reading to believe, we go by the higher reading. So whatever arm is highest is the one we make decisions upon. What are some things that uh, patients could do to lower their blood pressure without medications? And the big one, I'm a big salt person, put salt on everything. Uh, how, how much influence does dietary salt have on your blood pressure? That's always a big topic. Um, interesting, for a lot of people, salt doesn't matter. But th there is a significant percentage where minimizing salt intake or cutting back on salt intake can have a profound effect on, on blood pressure. Really? And, and most patients that we see want to avoid pills, and I don't blame them. Sure. So if there are non-pharmacological, non-medication approaches, I'm very up for, for trying those. And limiting salt can have an impact. Um, regular aerobic exercise can bring your blood pressure down 10 to 15 points. Foods that are high in potassium, which are basically fruits and vegetables, also can have a positive uh, impact. Uh, and weight loss. Uh, not everyone has a weight that correlates with blood pressure, but we see a good number of people that 20, 30 pound weight loss can mean coming off blood pressure medications. Correct me if I'm wrong, obstructive sleep apnea can also cause your blood pressure to be elevated. Yes, yeah, sleep apnea is, is a big issue in, in the cardiology world from congestive heart failure to rhythm issues. And there are some pretty typical symptoms we look for with sleep apnea. But uh, something that comes up is someone who has high blood pressure, we're changing medications, we're adding medications. And if we simply can't get it controlled, we really need to take a look and evaluate for sleep apnea because that can also have a significant impact. Speaking of medications, uh, I think it was Joint National Committee 6, might have been 5 or 6, where they said, look, people tend to do better on a partial dose of two medications rather than a maximum dose of one. Is that still true or has that been your experience? That's typically been my experience. Yeah, mine too. And, um, you know, a, a classic example is an ACE inhibitor diuretic combination, whereas an example, lisinopril with a dose range from 5 to 40 milligrams with 12 and a half milligrams of hydrochlorothiazide, a 20 of lisinopril, 12 and a half of hydrochlorothiazide seems to be better than 40 of lisinopril. Yeah, that's more anecdotal experience, but that's generally what I sense. Yeah, that's kind of been my experience too. But how about what, one, the two vices that we haven't mentioned, uh, which I, 
I know the answer, but uh, nicotine and alcohol, what are their effects on blood pressure? Well, alcohol is the double-edged sword in medication, in medicine. You know, there's a little bit of alcohol, can have a little blood thinning effect and may have an impact on heart attack risk. Uh, studies have shown that mild to moderate alcohol consumption can keep your blood vessels pliable, more elastic, less rigid. And a lot of people who develop high blood pressure as they get older, it's due to their blood vessels getting rigid. So quietly, there are some benefits to alcohol, but it's the double-edged sword. Too much alcohol will lead to hypertension. Too much alcohol can lead to congestive heart failure. So alcohol is something that I, I can't recommend when patients bring it up. I can usually recommend what is thought to be or felt to be a, a safe level of consumption. Um, I, I, believe, I believe that's like one to three ounces a day, correct? Yes, and the Europeans have a different take on that than, um, than uh, Americans. Uh, they're a little bit more lenient or allow you to consume more alcohol over overseas. But for women, it's, it's one drink a day. For men, it's no more than two. And that's whether it's a, a shot of whiskey, a glass of wine, or a can of beer. It's, it's looked at it that during way. My, during my residency, we lived in an apartment building uh, that was a lot of old widowed Jewish women lived in there. They're very social, and they invited they would invite my wife and I over for uh, uh, cocktails on Sundays. And they, they would fill up a tumbler, you know, with uh, scotch, you know, and and ice. And I used to think to myself, I bet she tells her doctor, I only have one a day, you know. And uh, so that's you're right. Moderation is always the best with alcohol. Well, this has been great information. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Uh, again, this is Live Well Talk on blood pressure with Dr. Keith Kopeck cardiologist with Union Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital, Heart and Vascular Institute. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.